So hi and welcome to episode 18 of the Amphrozoology podcast. I'm Chris um, and my, my research focuses on cat-human relations and discourses surrounding free-roaming urban cats. Hi, I'm Michelle and my research focuses on elephant health and welfare and captive elephant-human relationships. Hello, my name's Sarah. I'm, I'm a postgraduate researcher uh, looking at shark-human interactions. And today um, we want to say hello and welcome to Mariah Madigan from Frankie's World, a rat sanctuary in Canada. Hello, Mariah. Um, maybe you can tell us a bit about Frankie, how Frankie's World came about and what Frankie's World does and aims to achieve. Yeah, OK. Um, so, yeah, my name's Mariah. I'm happy to be here today um, talking to you about Frankie and rats. Um, so Frankie's World is a rat rescue and sanctuary that I founded in honor of uh, my first rat, whose name was Frankie. Um, she, uh, I don't even know where to start with her. Um, I, uh, I'd never had pet rats before and she, uh, she came into my life through kind of unexpected ways. I never, never intended to have a pet rat. I'd always heard that they'd made good pets, but never had one myself. And over the years, it's become kind of a tradition of mine to honor the life of one of my animals that's passed away by rescuing another. So I had a couple pet mice, um, and, uh, and the last one that was left, his name was Harry and him and I had a pretty special bond. And when he passed away, I was kind of looking around online for, for other mice that needed, needed homes. And at that time I felt like I wasn't quite ready to have another mouse. And then I came across Frankie and her sister, Phoebe, who were living in a pretty bad environment at the time and needed a home. And they just kind of spoke to me right away. So that's, that's how Frankie came to my life. And from the time she arrived, we just had had this bond that kind of was pretty deep from the start, but just grew and grew over time to the point where it's like, it's so hard to explain. It's honestly the deepest bond I've ever known. Um, I always say my soulmate is a rat and her name is Frankie. And, um, yeah, she just became everything to me and I was everything to her. We spent kind of every minute of my free time together. And um, it was like there was no me without her and no her without me. Everyone kind of knew that, you know, we were just one in the same. Um, and so then kind of because of that, you know, she expanded kind of my my knowledge of, of rats and they became my favorite animal, of course. And then... Um, when she passed away, it was obviously really, really difficult and had a hard time for a while. And then I kind of kept feeling this need to, to do more and kind of felt like it was my, my duty to do more in her honor to, to give, you know, an awesome life to more un misunderstood, uh, you know, rats and other animals, just like I did for her. So um, I named, named my rescue after her and on the anniversary of the day that I adopted her, um, which ended up being kind of about six months after her death, I formally founded, um, our nonprofit called Frankie's world rescue. And, um, yeah, so what we do basically is 
Um, it kind of started off as we, you know, a, a bit informally, we were looking shortly before Frankie passed away for another buddy for her because um, her sister had passed away a short time uh, prior to that. And so we were looking on this kind of ad website in Canada called Kijiji, where people frequently post kind of pets that need rehoming and things like that. And at the time, there were 18 rats in our general area that needed homes. And so my wife said, can we get them all? And I said, heck yeah. <laughs> um, so we ended up with these 18 rats and they were our, our original uh, members of Frankie's world. And then from that, we grew to start um, accepting uh, owner surrenders and uh, and things like that. So so basically we function part as a sanctuary, part as a rescue. So we take in um, mainly rats, but occasionally other animals from time to time, um, that have, you know, complex medical issues that their, you know, former humans aren't able to handle or don't have the finances to be able to, to take them to the vet and get appropriate, you know, care and surgeries and things like that. Um, or elderly rats who have been in multiple homes already and who it would be kind of unfair to, to rehome yet again. So we let them live out their lives here at the sanctuary. So right now we have about 15 permanent residents that are living out their lives here with us. And then we, we then take in, you know, owner surrenders of, you know, young rats, people have accidental litters, um, you know, they don't realize they have a male and a female that they've got, you know, from wherever, and then they have these surprise babies and don't know what to do with them. Um, we recently had a huge intake of these people that just found a colony of domestic rats living in their backyard that someone must have dumped somehow, they were probably feeder rats that either escaped or someone let out. And so, yeah, we kind of just get rats from various different means. Sometimes other other rescues reach out um, and collaborate with us kind of if they're full, but they have someone who, you know, has a rat who really needs help. And we, we work together to try and make those things happen. So, yeah, basically, we just kind of try and do whatever we can, whenever we can for the rats in our area. I try really hard not to say no to anyone. Um, and if we're not able to to take the rat in, if we're kind of full, then, uh, then I always try to help people out to find somewhere that, that can take them. And we do a lot of, um, you know, education and, and advice as well, as well. Um, we have a pretty big social media following. And so people will reach out to ask, you know, questions about their rats, about proper care, proper housing, you know, if they think one of the rats is unwell and what they should do and things like that. So kind of a, a bit of everything. <laughs> That, that sounds amazing. Um, so do, do you know anything about the numbers of rats in need across Canada or even in other countries? Um, <clears throat> um, a lot, in short. Um, I don't have any specific numbers, but because they, because they reproduce so quickly, um, there's, there's always, you know, far more than, than are intended, um, because they're used so widely in research. Um, there ends up being quite, quite a few rats that then don't have a, a purpose anymore and people don't know what to do with them. And they either get unfortunately euthanized by whatever institution is using them for research. They sometimes get liberated by awesome people who want to help them have a new life. And um, if we're lucky, sometimes those people, um, you know, donate those, those rats to, to rescues or sanctuaries or try to find homes for them. So there's, there's, there's quite a few, there is no shortage of rats that need homes. I could, 
um, you know, with, without even trying and without really being very well known at this point, because we're still fairly new, I get requests weekly for, for rats to be surrendered. Um, so there's, there's far more rats than people helping rats. <laughs> how many rats do you usually serve in a month? You know, how many rats are coming in? How many rats are you able to adopt out? Yeah. So currently in our care, we have 54 rats. Um, wow. yeah, it's quite a, quite a lot. Um, it, I don't know, at some point it seems like it, it just, you, you stop counting 10, 50. It's just kind of, they're there. Um, and, um, definitely less going out than coming in. Um, we've recently adopted out five of our babies that came from the, the backyard rescue. Um, so they're doing quite well. Um, and yeah, other than that, we, we always kind of have them posted as available for adoption and fostering. Um, haven't had a ton of attention with that yet we live in a small town and getting the word out that you know rats are cool and and fun animals to have uh, just like cats and dogs is um not a challenge but it just takes takes some time for people to get get to know us and you know have an open mind uh, about rats so we're still working on kind of education in that regard um but in terms of rats that we serve on the whole um I, I would say easily like a hundred a month between the people that, you know, are reaching out to me virtually, you know, sending me videos of their rats, you know, this is what my rat's doing. What does this mean? Like, does, you know, my, my rat's not acting normally, you know, what should I do? What kind of, you know, treatments can I give them? And obviously I'm not a veterinarian, but I, I try my best to, based on my experience, you know, say, you know, you should really take your rat to the vet or, you know, this is what this behavior means, or, you know, your rats, you know, you're finding that they're being a little bit aggressive or, you know, not as social as you'd like. And here are kind of some, some techniques and things that you can do and, and things like that. So I, I find that we, we probably end up helping people um, more through education at this point than, than physically um, rehoming rats, but um, working on, on changing that as we get the word out in our area. Yes, I have a, a question. I guess a key part of the education is sort of how to avoid all these accident litters. Um, and I know from years ago with with mice that it's it's not so easy to sex them. And and I ended up with a lot of a lot of mice. Um, so I guess part of that is sort of education, how to sex them and when to separate them. But I don't suppose, and if if you know anything about, I, I know with cats, dogs, you new to them, and it's sort of the the done thing. But I'm. I, is that done with with rodents or not recommended or how would that help at all? I'm just curious because yeah, for sure. Um, so it is done. Um, it can be done. It's not done very frequently. Um, we had had Frankie um, spayed because um, in females, I mean, rats are prone to, to certain health conditions, uh, particularly tumors, um, just from their background as kind of research animals and, you know, the breeding strategies and things like that. So female rats are very prone to tumors of the reproductive system, as well as pituitary tumors. And so there's a thought that if you spay female rats um, young enough, that it can significantly decrease um, the odds of them developing tumors. So that's the main reason why we did it. Um, it is a little bit costly. And so some people feel that, you know, well, it's, you know, it's just a rat, they only live a few years, you know, why would I, you know, spend this money for a surgery kind of thing, which is an unfortunate mindset that that a lot of people have. Um, 
And then in males, uh, I'd say it happens probably more frequently in males, not, not as a routine thing to do, but uh, in males that, you know, are tend to be a little bit more aggressive and, and, you know, if, you know, they're having behavioral struggles, um, you know, fighting with their cage mates, things like that, then, then neutering them can, can help kind of um, calm down the, the aggression a little bit. So I'd say that's probably the most common um, situation that it occurs in. Um, but yeah, definitely sexing them is difficult. And I, I had some challenges with that. Um, when we ended up with our group of babies, there were probably 20 of them that were under a month old. And at that age, it's very difficult. And I had never done it before. So I'm like Googling pictures and, and trying to kind of figure it out. And I made a few mistakes that luckily didn't end up in any, any accidental babies. But yeah, I think that does happen um, quite often. So just finding good resources, um, I try to always kind of have, have, you know, good resources, good pictures, good things kind of available to people so that if they ask for things like that, then I can, you know, direct them to things that can give them the best chance to try and figure it out. And, and what if that's like in, in Canada? Um, cause I, I remember when I was in Kentucky, I took my mice to the, the vet once and, and basically they laughed at me for taking mice to the, the vet and, sort of the small animals it was the the care just wasn't there or it was yeah it, um yeah so I yes. guess that's part of what you do is to 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 try and yeah show that these animals are also special and yeah for sure so it's that's been a huge challenge of mine and a constant source of frustration um we're very lucky that um, in in our small town, one of the the vets will see exotic animals. Rats are considered one of the the exotic animals, and um, although she doesn't have a ton of experience with rats, um, she's getting experience by seeing ours all the time. Um, and she's you know she's fantastic in the sense that you know if she doesn't know something, she's not afraid to look it up and you know ask for help, you know, vets have all kinds of, you know, forums where, you know, specialists can, um, you know, comment on, on cases and, and questions that, you know, other generalist vets have. So, um, she's very good at, at working if, with me that way and, you know, making things work with kind of the information that we have and the resources that we have in our small town. Um, we also have a couple hours uh, away from us, a really good specialist um, exotic vet at kind of a specialty referral hospital. And um, she's fantastic. Basically anything that you could imagine um, having done on, on a rodent, um, she can do. Um, we've had, you know, rats have major, major surgeries um, successfully, um, you know, x-rays, CAT scans, you know, anything that, that a human could have. Have, um, a rat can have. And basically the, the limiting factor is, is, is often, um, price. Um, but you know, some of the vets are good at working with us, you know, as a rescue and, and giving us some, you know, some discounts and stuff like that, since we have such a large volume of animals. Um, but it's, it's often a challenge for, for rat owners or, you know, any kind of exotic animal to, to know what vet 
you know, to take their animal to, because there's a lot of vets that advertise, you know, we will see rodents or we'll see exotic animals, but then, you know, you take them there in emergency and then you realize they're actually not equipped to deal with, uh, you know, most things other than basic kind of, you know, are they healthy or are they not kind of thing. They're not very aware of, um, you know, the, the common treatment recommendations for, um, you know, for common conditions, like rats are very prone to respiratory infections and, um, you know, will probably probably need a course of antibiotics a couple times throughout their lives. And um, many vets don't know that many vets don't know how to recognize the signs, um, you know, don't know what medications are appropriate. And I often have found that, you know, just my knowledge based on, you know, my experience with with my own rats over time, kind of far surpasses what kind of the average vets would be. Um, And so it is frustrating to kind of have to advocate for the rats in, in situations, especially in emergency situations. And, um, you know, sometimes really fight for, you know, the care that they need and deserve. And so what I've done luckily with, with my kind of medical background, um, I'm a human physician, so I know some things and obviously it's not the same, um, in, in rodents, but, um, I, I try to do as much as I can, um, you know, on my own at, at home in terms of recognizing when they're unwell and and being able to manage things the best I can, and then reaching out for help to kind of the the vet network that we've developed um, when we need to. I wanted to ask you about um, the bonds that you said that you had uh, with Frankie. You said it was the deepest bonds that yeah. you felt. I want to ask a couple of things. One was. Um, if you can tell us a bit more about that bond and what made Frankie such an amazing individual um, rat, um, which gave such a ma- an amazing relationship. And do do, ra- do rats have certain uh, features and character- characteristics as a species which make them amazing um, companion companions? And do, have you found other people um, find rats much better companions than um, other species that we tend to have as companion animals? Yeah, um, these are some of my favorite questions. Um, So yeah, my bond with Frankie, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things that, that you can't explain. Like, you know, how sometimes in life there's just, there's whether it's a human or, or a dog or someone that you just, you know, you, you don't know them very well yet, or, you know, there's just, there's, there's just some things you can't explain and you just feel drawn to them and you feel like you've known each other forever and you were kind of meant to be together and you're just two parts of the same thing, whatever that thing is. Um, it, it was like that with Frankie. And to me, it felt like, you know, the definition of unconditional love, but to the next level, you know, how, you know, we talk about our best friends and family members and things like that, and how, you know, we love them unconditionally and would do anything for them and things like that, which, which is true, but those people still, you know, drive us crazy from time to time. And, you know, we fight with them and we get angry with them. And, you know, there's some days where we don't like them as much as, you know, others. Um, But with Frankie, it it was never like that. And like, without any exaggeration at all I loved every single thing about her it was like the biggest pleasure of my life to just be there for her and give her everything that she could possibly want and more like I you know the nights that I had to stay up because I was worried about her if she was sick um you know the 
hours of driving back and forth from, you know, the specialist vet, um, you know, every day having to give her meds every 12 hours. So, you know, missing out on social activities, um, you know, things like that, you know, having to, to say no to things because, you know, Frankie's awake from, you know, six until 9 PM. That's my Frankie time. Like, sorry guys, not doing anything else. And, um, you know, cleaning her cage, you know, things like that, that, you know, are often tedious and things that you would rather not have to do, but it's just kind of one of the things that comes with having an animal. I, I enjoyed every single bit of it. Like it was just really strange in a really wonderful way. Like I'm a pretty, um, I mean, I'm a pretty laid back person, but I'm also a, a easily, um, frustrated and, and impatient, um, at things. So, I mean, I would have expected to be, you know, got to clean the cage today kind of thing, but like nothing was ever like that with Frankie. It was just, it's for Frankie. Totally. Like I would want, like, I would like nothing more than to do this for you, Frankie. Um, and yeah, it was just like, it was like, we could communicate with, with each other. Like I, I, I knew what was going on with her. I kind of, I knew what she wanted. She could tell when things were going on with me. Um, you know, she kind of, you know, she was a very, very special rat and, and friendly and, and bonded both with, um, uh, my sister and, uh, and my wife, we were kind of the three people that spent the most time with her. Um, but you know, sometimes if I was working in the evenings, you know, she would stay in her, in her house until I got home, you know, she would recognize my voice if I would FaceTime her from work and things like that. And so there was just something about me and her that just, it, it just was, <laughs> um, what made her kind of special was that she, um, she was very different than any other rats that I've had. She, um, I, I like to try to have a, an open cage policy as much as possible with our critters. Um, I don't like the idea of animals in, in captivity. Uh, I mean, obviously cages are, are necessary for, for safety, um, you know, a lot of the time, but having as much free roam time as possible. So Frankie had a cage, but it was always open. Um, she had her own room all to herself. Um, I shared the room with her and she just was free to do whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted. Um, she had her own routine. She would kind of wake up from the, you know, the same hours in the morning. She, kind of adapted her routine to mine. Um, she would be awake in the morning when I would get up, she would kind of play with me. She would put herself to sleep for the day while I was out. And then around six o'clock, she would wake up and kind of spend the night with me. And then same thing, put herself to bed at the end of the night and sleep through the night, which is a bit unusual because rats are, are normally nocturnal. Um, but Frankie was not. Um, and she just, she was just in her own world, like totally happy to be on her own. Rats usually do best uh, in pairs and groups, but she was, she was very happy to just be with me and, you know, do her own thing. And just like, she, she was more like a human than, than a rat. Um, she was just kind of like a, a little human in a rat's body. Um, and then in terms of rats compared to other animals, um, I found that they're far, far more complex and sophisticated than I anticipated. And I find that other people find that as well. I've had mostly dogs and cats, um, throughout my life and, you know, some other you know, rodents and, and other animals here and there. And 
um, rats I found make far deeper and loving bonds than dogs do. Um, I find often my rats are far happier to see me than my dogs are when I come home for the day. Um, they're very intelligent, you know, super easy to train. You can litter train them easier than cats. They pretty much litter train themselves. So you don't even have to try. They're very, very clean animals. Uh, a lot of people have the misconception that they're, you know, dirty and, you know, and this and that, but they, they're one of the cleanest animals animals I've, I've ever encountered. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're really special. I, I think mainly because it's in such an unexpected way rats, you know, forever have been portrayed by society in a very negative light. And so people don't expect them to make good companions and then they end up being the best thing that's ever happened to you. And it's just, it's just very cool. Like rat lovers in the rat community, it's, you know, everyone has a pretty similar experience from, you know, not really knowing much about rats to then rats being their entire lives and, you know, being the best thing that's ever happened to them. And it's just, it's a, it's a really cool experience. I was just going to uh, jump off of what you said about Frankie, you know, being a, a person in a rat's body and bring up the, the Karnimata temple, uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but the the uh, Karnimata promised members of her caste uh, that they would be reincarnated as rats. And then once their life as a rat was over, they would be reincarnated as humans. So I'm just wondering, you know, um, I didn't know if you were familiar with that at all. If you wanted to talk a little bit about that, maybe that sense of, of us having a shared, mm-hmm. a shared experience, you know, a shared rat human lifespan. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm glad you asked that question, actually, because I'm I I haven't heard about that in particular, but I'm going to read about it now because that sounds awesome. Um, But I, you know, I never knew really what I thought about that kind of thing in the past. I've always sort of been like I didn't really grow up religious or spiritual in in any real particular way. Um, I mean, being in medicine, I've always been kind of interested in science and just kind of ended up you know, just having a hard time believing things that, that I couldn't see or couldn't be, you know, proven. <laughs> um, but with time and, and through my experience with Frankie, um, I've seen firsthand that, you know, I, I'm totally a believer of, of that kind of thing and, and of, of reincarnation. Um, you know, there's no way that Frankie and I were not part of something, um, y- you know, connected in some way in the past. And, um, after she passed away, actually, I was kind of desperate for some, some kind of connection to her. Um, so my wife booked me an appointment with an animal communicator, basically a, a medium for, for animals. And I was super skeptical. Um, but at the same time, desperate. So thought, what the heck it can't hurt. And it was, it was the coolest experience I have ever had in my entire life. I, because I was skeptical purposely, you know, I, I, I mean, she didn't know anything except for my first name and Frankie's name. So no way of, of looking me up. Um, at that point, I didn't have really a social media page for, for our rescue or about Frankie. So, and, and it was private at that time. So there's no way she could have found out anything about me or Frankie. And she, she knew things and, and was saying things as if she was Frankie, that there's no possible way she could have known things that only me and Frankie knew, you know, only me and Frankie had experienced. And it was like, 
it was like to a T, like there were, there was not a single detail that was even close to, you know, could be incorrect. Like it was all bang on and it was just crazy. And we've actually been working kind of with her to this day with both animals that have passed and current animals, you know, helping to figure out, you know, what they're feeling when they're ill, what's going on, how can we help them, you know, when they're approaching the end of life, you know, when they're ready to to transition and how we can help them with that. And, and it's just been incredible. And, um, in terms of reincarnation after, after Frankie passed, uh, you know, I spent a, a lot of sessions kind of connecting with her and talking with her and, and she kept kind of saying, you know, I'm going to come back, you know, you know, you and I are kind of meant to be together sort of thing. And, um, I don't know what I'm going to come back as, but, uh, I don't think it's going to be a rat and I don't know when it's going to be, but, but I'm going to come back. And then this, uh, this stray cat came into our lives. Um, she was just kind of found living under my wife's boss's porch and um, she had an injured leg and everyone in our lives kind of knows that we're the people that will take in any animal and and help them out. (laughs) Um, So she ended up with us and she is Frankie in a cat's body. And my wife kept saying like, wouldn't it be weird if this is Frankie? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think I would know if it was Frankie. And then, and then we had a session with our animal communicator shortly after that. And, and I was kind of, you know, talking to Frankie and, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, she said, you know, who's that new cat? And I said, Oh, this is, you know, this is Paisley. And I kind of talked about the story and she was like, that's Frankie. And then it's, I was like, what? No, really? And I was kind of, again, skeptical at the beginning, but, but this cat is Frankie in a cat's body. Like she does not eat cat food. She eats fruits and vegetables. Like she was, she was mowing down on pineapple this morning. Like it was her favorite thing in the world. She, every morning when I'm eating oatmeal, I eat blueberry banana oatmeal every morning. And Frankie would always come out and share it with me every morning. That was her favorite snack. And Paisley comes up and like eats half of my oatmeal with me every single morning. And just like from the way that she behaves from like her being attached to me, like glue from the very start, it's just like, again, one of those things that you can't explain and that, you know, you think you're crazy and people think you're crazy when you tell them these things, but then people who've experienced it, um, you know, believe it and understand it. And I think it's really cool when people have an open mind to, you know, to learning about these things and, you know, just because we can't see something or, you know, necessarily explain it scientifically does not at all mean that it's not real. Um, there's all kinds of things that, that we can't explain, but, um, doesn't mean it's not true. And, um, yeah, I totally 100% believe in, you know, reincarnations and, um, you know, I think rats are, are really unique, um, you know, species. And, uh, I think that, that a lot of them, um, you know, have been, you know, something else, uh, you know, in a, in a former time and will become, you know, something else later on. Yeah. So I wanted to, to share something, um, and it, it will lead into, to a question, but so one, um, reason I was really excited about this podcast um, was about towards the end of 20, 2020, I was involved in um, this workshop. Um, I'll put a link to it below the, the podcast, but basically this hybrid lab um, called Live Together. And it was um, a workshop to bring together scientists and artists to, to think about um, yeah, living together with other animals, essentially. Um, and as part of that, there was a group of five of us. And over the few days, we had um, 
or the the guideline was to put together some sort of project that was sort of mixing together scientific information with um sort of artistic expressions blah 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 so so basically we chose rats um and I'm not sure how we came to that but um uh basically how we approached this was we we wanted to sort of look at the the species and how rats are perceived in um differently as a species and the different roles they they play in human society and also try and bring in that um individual element so really try and get the the audience to engage with the idea of a rat as a person as an individual um and I actually dug up the little mask I made <laughs> I can show it I I oh. was I I played the role of um Phoebe the pet rat um so so we wrote like little scripts that um and the idea was to to um, and we never really finished the project afterwards one of um one of our team actually wrote something out which are I can share um afterwards her her, her role was um the rat of death so so basically the the rat is the persecuted bringer of the plague um and I, I was the the cute pet rat that was spoiled and <laughs> um and yeah we had the lab rat um and yeah the the holy rat and there was the the liminal rat so the um yeah I'm going to use the word feral <laughs> so like a, a pet that sort of uh, escaped and got lost and was in this sort of strange world where now they were being treated as a as a pest um so yeah I, I learned a little bit about rats from this and it was sort of yeah but the, the exercise itself really getting to sort of think about the the life of a, a pet rat and I kind of bought into that the this perception which I think a lot of people have that like ew rats um and then um in my dialogue there was a, a friend of yeah, so Phoebe the pet rat, she lived with a 12-year-old girl and her friend was like, ew, rats. And um, and I think that's a common a common um perception, right? And um yeah, I think it, I think it's a shame. Um I, I haven't had much interactions with rats since I was about uh eight years old. So I um some second or third cousin, they were like teenage boys. Um, and I was like seven or eight and they had a couple of rats and then I remember like one Christmas visiting and I was really excited and, and they sort of showed me introduced me to the rats and and like I got to to play with them and uh, yeah I really loved them and of course I wanted a pet rat then um, but it was like oh no you can't have a rat there, there. you have a rabbit instead and <laughs> and I mean yeah so I I, I learned to love the rabbits too but um yeah, I think that's that that like you. <laughs> Only teenage boys would want rats. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a shame because yeah, yeah, for sure. That's yeah, definitely um, uh, kind of the the first instinct that people go to when you know when you mention rats. Um, you know, whenever I tell people either that you know I had a pet rat or have pet rats or run a rat rescue, you know, I get really rats kind of thing. Um, 
and, um, you know, pretty frequently, uh, on our social media page, you know, on our on videos and stuff, we'll get, you know, people commenting, you know, you or the vomit emoji or, you know, mentioning things like, you know, they spread disease. Um, you know, they, they wreak havoc on society. Like, why would you be encouraging that and supporting that and, and that kind of thing. And, um, it's very easy to get frustrated by those, those views, but at the same time, I understand where they came from. And, and that's how I try to approach it with people because I mean, society has done a very good job at portraying rats as, you know, carriers of disease and, you know, pests in the home and, you know, associated with, you know, the, the garbage dump out back and kind of scavengers and, you know, that they're scary and mean and, you know, and vicious and, you know, will bite and hurt you and, and things like that. And, um, I mean, kind of for, for good reason, I guess, you know, because this, this thought that they caused the plague, um, which is obviously a, a huge, you know, event in our history that, um, you know, people know about, I, I would think that there's very few people that, you know, the thought of, you know, rats and plague aren't kind of paired together. Cause that's, that's what we've learned. Um, and it's, it's easy and common for us to not question things that we've learned, especially things that have been told to us by, you know, people in, in authority positions or, you know, teachers, parents, you know, things like that, you know, why would you question it if everyone's kind of saying this same thing? Um, but then, you know, it, it, it's nice when people are open to kind of hearing other other possibilities. So I try to, um, you know, inform and educate people how, you know, yeah, it was thought that that rats caused the plague, but actually, you know, research later on that kind of replicated um you know, how things happened then and, and, you know, the speed at which the, the, the disease spread and, and the way in which it spread made it impossible for it to have been rats. And the, the most likely conclusion is that it was actually, you know, ticks and fleas spread by humans that caused the plague. And so I think, you know, humans are great and a lot of us are wonderful, but we're also very good at finding, other critters to place blame on, um, you know, when we don't want to, to accept the blame ourselves or, you know, recognize kind of the, the damage that we, you know, can do in certain situations. Um, so, I mean, that's a lot of where it comes from. And then, yeah, I mean, rats are, are wild animals. Um, I mean, the domestic species is different, but, but rats as wild animals, you know, yeah, they, they scavenge for, for food because that's what they have to do. And, you know, that doesn't make them gross and dirty. They're just trying to live their lives and find food and find shelter just as any other animal does. And just as we would, if we were in the same circumstances, um, yeah, they end up in our homes and, you know, might chew something that we would rather they, they not, or, you know, make a nest somewhere where we would prefer they don't. But again, they're not intending to cause us harm. They're just trying to find shelter for the winter. And, you know, you left a hole in your foundation and they're going to get in through it. Um, so, you know, that's no reason to, to kill them. Um, you know, if you can humanely trap them, find a safe, you know, place to release them. And, you know, all you got to do is find the holes that they're coming in through and, and plug them. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the rat's fault. Um, and again, as you know, any animal would be, 
wild or domestic, if they're not used to you or not used to, you know, any human interaction, if, if you try and approach them, then they're going to react out of fear. You know, they're going to bite, they're going to run away. They're going to, you know, scratch, you know, they're going to make hissing noises and things like that. But that doesn't mean that, that they as an individual or they as a species, you know, are those negative things. So it's, it's actually, you know, refreshing the number of people that, when I kind of point things out in that way are, are very open-minded and realized, you know, yeah, you're right. Like that's, yeah, that, that's, that's totally right. And they like fully changed their mind, um, about rats. And, and I never expected that I expected to be getting in frequent arguments, um, and, and heated discussions with people about, you know, rats are not mean and rats are not dirty and all of these things. Um, but, um, you know, if you approach it in a way of education and acknowledging, you know, yeah, a lot of people think like this and I understand why, but you know, what about this and kind of, you know, present things in that way, then, um, I, I like to think at least that I'm, I'm trying to, to spread the word and, and get people to open their minds to a new perception of rats. So we had such a wonderful time talking to Mariah from uh, Frankie's World that we, we actually lost track of time and um, we've decided to split the, this podcast in, into two episodes. So um, we we'll hope you'll stay tuned to, to learn about what Mariah and her rats will be doing for Christmas.